You want Chinese, they want pizza, and someone else is craving Froyo. But there's something for everyone on DoorDash. Continuing supporting restaurants in your community safely, there are thousands of restaurants open for delivery on DoorDash that need your patronage now more than ever. Support your favorite restaurants on DoorDash. With over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. DoorDash deliveries are now contactless to keep communities we operate in safe. So, right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code ADVANTAGE. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code ADVANTAGE. Don't forget, that's code ADVANTAGE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Hey everybody, Scott Burnside back for the Tuesday morning edition of Two Man Advantage, the podcast. And it is a day already chock full of news. We've got a new coach in Washington, Peter LaViolette, who will take over the reins behind the bench of the Washington Capitals. And the news we will start with this morning, we have one Stanley Cup finalist already. And I'm not sure I'd have called this at the beginning of the return to play but the Dallas Stars knocking off the, I'd just say heavily favored, Vegas Golden Knights in five games, dramatic fashion, coming back from a 2-0 deficit in the third and winning it in overtime to dispatch the Golden Knights. And to break all this down, Jesse Granger once again getting up. I was going to say getting up in the early morning hours in Vegas, but man, you may not have slept given the, the collapse of the Golden Knights. How are you feeling this morning? Yeah, it was a late night. It not quite as uh, big of a collapse as the last postseason uh, up in San Jose. Not quite that late of a night, but it was still a pretty late night. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, listen. So you and I were talking just just before we started the tape, and and your level of surprise on a scale of one to ten, given that the Golden Knights had a two nothing lead, but did end up frittering it away. What's your what's your level of surprise given what you know about this team and what you've seen from them this summer and, and into this fall? Yeah, I mean I wasn't that surprised just because Dallas found ways to score timely goals and Riley Smith said it after the game. The the Golden Knights would dominate for long stretches and not cash in on it, and then the Dallas Stars would get small pockets of possession and they would cash in on it almost every time um throughout this whole series. And going into this game it felt like just another replay of the first three games the last three games we saw and and it just felt like it was coming and then when Dallas scored that goal to make it 2-1 I think the Golden Knights kind of got a little tight got a little nervous and it showed and and Dallas just kept jumping on those rebounds and and obviously fought back it was a a great comeback for them and and it's going to be fun to see what they can do in the cup final yeah it's I mean that that Dallas team is that's a wacky team because they do and I saw somebody mention it on social media it's like you know, it's almost like they they understand that they're not built to play flat out for 60 minutes. They just aren't. And so they play a little rope-a-dope. Obviously, Anton Hudobin was unbelievable. 
uh, and they hung around and hung around. But at the critical moments, uh, they just they they got the job done. And I guess what surprises me is that I just I really thought Vegas was going to be that team, right? Like I thought they were built yeah. to be that team to get the job done when it mattered. And given how you know the depth up front uh, I thought the you know Alec Martinez was a great ad you've got great goaltending depth and really uh, you know that's hard to fault Robin Leonard really but Robin Leonard was the second best goalie almost every night in this series yeah and and I yeah I don't I definitely don't put this on Robin Leonard he did his job the, the team in front of him didn't score I, I tweeted last night Robin Leonard didn't win a game in these playoffs after August after the first round against the Blackhawks without a shutout Every win he earned after the first round against the Blackhawks was a shutout. So basically, if he allowed a goal, he lost. And that is unacceptable. Um, but at the same time, but at the same time, while I'm not blaming this on Robin Leonard, they also could have used a few stellar saves out of him. And, and Kudobin was bailing the stars out on one end, and Vegas would pepper him with 40 shots, and he'd stop some ones that didn't look like he should have. And Leonard was, would do his job on the other end, but he didn't go much above that. And, and if he could have elevated his game, then I think this series could have been an easy win for Vegas if they would have gotten that level of goaltending. So it, it, to me, this is one of the great dilemmas. And when you get a team that goes to a conference final, you're one of the final four teams in an epic play-in tournament, return to play, in most markets, my guess is that's seen as as a success, or or you view it through a successful prism. I'm not sure you can for the Vegas Golden Knights, given all they had going on. And really, when you go back to that Vancouver series, which they also led, which they led three one and allowed the Canucks to come back in behind Thatcher Demko's strong play, the fact that the offense really dried up, the fact that they didn't get critical performances from their top end players. Is is it as simple as saying, well, no, this is not a this is not a successful playoff run for this team? Or how how do you how do you think it will be unpacked at the highest levels of the organization? Yeah, I don't think it's going to be considered successful. And I think when you say conference final, obviously final four teams in the league, that's impressive. And and what they've done in three years here in Vegas, there's no arguing that that by any measure that is successful uh, for an expansion team. But at the same time, this team was expected to be one of the best teams in the league and expected to compete for a Stanley Cup. And to get to the conference final, and they earned this right by winning the, the round robin, but still they had to beat the 23rd ranked Chicago Blackhawks. They're the 23rd best team in the league. And then they had to beat Vancouver, which was 16th in the league. So they didn't beat any elite level teams in the playoffs this year. And then the team they got knocked out by was the 10th best team in the league in Dallas. And obviously they're hot right now. And, and that's just how the NHL playoffs work. But at the same time, I think this is definitely a disappointment for a team that had much, much higher expectations. And I think if, if this team was scoring all year long and they were one of the better scoring teams in the league, and then they just had this drought right here, it'd be a lot easier to explain it away and say, well, we just happened to have a scoring drought at the worst time possible. But I think this is it's more of a trend than that. If you look at the stats, the Golden Knights in the regular season, over 70 games, they led the league in shots, they led the league in scoring chances, they led the league in expected goals, and they were 14th in scoring, right in the middle of the road. So this, this scoring drought, being able to create offense without being able to, to convert that into goals, it wasn't a new thing. I think that was part of the reason Gerard Gallant ended up getting let go 
in January was was the inability to turn possession and control of games into results. So it's something, and Pete DeBoer said, we're going to use this as a learning experience. We have to figure out ways to score in the playoffs, and, and maybe that's not the same way you score in the regular season. So there are definitely some things that need to be fixed for the Golden Knights, and you can't just explain this away as they faced a hot goalie or had a cold stretch shooting. Yeah, it, I mean, it is a fascinating group because, and I, and I was talking to a, a, a former player, played for a long time at a very high level, long time NHL executive, and he said, you know, I when I watch this team, I wonder if it's, it, it, things have come so quickly and so easily to them, it's almost like they didn't know how to respond to this moment. So it's almost like they hadn't paid their dues. That was his message. And I'm, you know, you mentioned last year, they blew a lead against San Jose. You wondered if that, uh, to me, that was, should have been something that really, you know, maybe forged some fire in their belly and that they could maybe rise above these kinds of moments. Um, and yet this is two years in a row where they really have failed to, 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 to get up off the mat. And I wonder, you know, I mean, do you look at the leadership with this team? Do you look at how it's constructed? You've already mentioned the goaltending, or the goaltending, the uh, coaching change, a dramatic, and I think on some levels a controversial move to replace Gerard Gallant with Pete DeBoer. But it, how you know? Do you just assume? Well, maybe they'll learn their lesson, like a Chicago or a Pittsburgh or a Washington had to learn the lesson over some some difficult times, or or do you think this is going to cause some soul searching uh, at management level about okay, do we have the right people in here to win? Um, well, just because of how much they've changed things recently, with not only Gerard Gallant but the the staff beneath Peter DeBoer has changed, and the goalie has changed, and they've traded for Mark Stone, and like they've, I feel like they've made a lot of changes recently. So I don't see a huge turnover in the people in the building to try to get to win. I think they have to, like you said, take this as a learning lesson. I think even though a lot of these guys haven't learned these lessons as Golden Knights and haven't like paid their dues as Golden Knights because the team has only existed for three years, a lot of these guys have been paying their dues with other teams, some of them on really bad teams. Robin Leonard is a good example sure. um, for for a long time. So while I do see the like they're they're spoiled right off the bat, thing these players were in the league on other teams prior to that so it's like I don't nece- I don't know if I necessarily agree with that great okay no that's fair I I, I just thought it was an interesting in fact yeah. he actually suggested it's, they're like millennials they expect to be handed stuff so <laughs> all right I'm like okay I'm old so I you know I'm like okay I have to look up millennial but uh I, so a couple of things before I let you go Jesse and um I, I was interested in you know, Mark Stone was an interesting guy for me because he blocked a shot late in game four, still came back mm-hmm. on the ice and sort of hobbled around, which I I thought was sort of a curious uh, decision to, to make um, in a very close game, which, of course, Dallas ended up winning. And then, uh, you know, he was, I, I believe he led the team in shots on goal and shot attempts last night, but still looked like he was laboring to me. Um, and I would wonder... You know, whether you were surprised that Mark Stone played or, you know, to me at some point you're like, well, are you doing more harm than good if you can't get to pucks and that sort of thing? But it it was just something because I knew that his foot was not right. And I know the announcers in Edmonton felt that he up close, he did not look normal or like his normal self. And I wonder what you made of of the Mark Stone situation over the last last game and, and the end of game four. Yeah, there at the end, 
of the last game, um, I think the decision to play Mark Stone, there wasn't much of a decision. Knowing Mark Stone, um, he was not going to let them not let him on the ice. Um, he's, he's, he has competitive fire like anyone in this league, and he wanted to be out there, and I wasn't shocked at all that he found a way to play last night. And he definitely wasn't at 100%, but the thing about Mark Stone is he isn't a very good skater even when he is 100%. Um, <laughs> right. Like, yeah. if, if he was a good skater, he'd be Connor McDavid, but he, he's not a great skater, and he, he uses other his other talents, his hockey IQ, to get there on time. He knows where the puck's going to be 15 seconds before it's there, so he doesn't have to skate fast to get there. I thought he played really effectively, and... Even though he wasn't 100%, I think I'll take whatever percent Mark Stone was last night over the taxi squad guy that's going to replace him in a big game like that. So um, I was, I, I was, I thought it was a good decision to play him. And, and he's, he is the leader of this team moving forward. And like Mark Andre Fleury's kind of been that guy, even though he can't wear the C because he's a goalie, he's been the unnamed captain of this team. And, and as we move forward, Pete DeBoer has mentioned that he expects to name a captain before next season. And I would be, at this point, I would be shocked if it's anyone other than Mark Stone, just based on the way he's ha- taken a hold of this team and just the way Pete DeBoer talks about Mark Stone. So um, he he's probably the first captain in Golden Knights history. And I think he kind of acted like that uh, during these games, even though he wasn't able to produce, he fought through uh, what looked like a very painful injury to play what I thought thought was a pretty good game. Yeah, no, I and, and I think you're right. And maybe that's, you know, maybe it's a subtle thing, but I, I think it, at some point it's going to be important for this team to have a captain and to, to you know, to, to identify that kind of leadership group. Maybe it's more symbolic than not, but I, and, and I'm, you know, I'm, Looking at this from afar, but I couldn't agree more that it uh, that Mark Stone would be your guy. And, and you mentioned Mark Andre Fleury, uh, and I, I thought your reporting on this has been exemplary. And 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 it does feel like we may have come to the end of the road for Mark Andre Fleury. Um, so let me ask it this way: I take it you, you don't feel that Robin Leonard's performance this summer changes how the team views him as as he heads to unrestricted free agency that they believe he is a guy they would like to have as their as their guy moving forward and if that's the case then it it does seem likely that Mark Andre Fleury will have to go elsewhere it, it, have I unpacked that correctly do you think yeah, definitely. Um, I've everything I've heard from multiple people is that the plan for the Golden Knights organization is to sign Robin Leonard Pass this year, and we've seen some reports of of potential deals that were handshake agreed upon and all that. And I've heard those, but I haven't confirmed them enough to know if a deal's done. But what I do know is I think they're definitely working on one, and I de- and I think the plan is definitely to sign Robin Leonard to a long term deal somewhere around the range of five years. And and like you said. If that deal is around five million, you can't spend five million on one goalie and seven million on the other. It's just not going to work in the salary cap with the way the Golden Knights are constructed, and they're already so tight against the cap. So that would lead you to believe they've got to move Mark Andre Fleury. And it's hard to move a thirty-five-year-old goalie making seven million dollars a year. It's hard to move him under any circumstances, but under this flat cap where so many teams are strapped for for salary cap space, it's going to be difficult. And the fact that he's got a ten-team no-trade clause makes it even more difficult. They're probably, if they do move him, they're probably going to end up having to retain some salary on him. So that's to me, that's going to be the biggest move of the offseason, and and how they maneuver this goalie situation is going to define what they're able to do in other areas and really what they look like going into next year to me it's such a fascinating thing because and i think you're right i mean there is some flexibility for the organization because it is a limited no trade so there there are there are ways to get around it and they are gonna i think you're 
absolutely it's a given that they're going to have to eat a, a big chunk of that salary. So, um, but it is interesting now to look and think. Okay, two years at a reduced rate, and let's call it four million or whatever the actual number for an acquiring team. Mark Andre Fleury still looks to me like an interesting guy. I know Carolina, you know, you look at that team as I think a lot of people believe that they're an elite goaltender away from being a Stanley Cup contender. Um, I'm not sure you'd, you'd make a deal inside the division, but maybe you have to make whatever you can make. But, you know, what about Edmonton? I, I think mm-hmm. there will be suitors for Marc-Andre Fleury. Do you, or do you think do you think the bloom is off the rose in terms of, uh, of the three-time Stanley Cup uh, champion? Yeah, Mark, you look at Marc-Andre Fleury's stats this year, and they, they were down. And when you see a 35-year-old goalie's stats go down, you immediately wonder, like, is he getting old? Is, is the reason for this stat decline him being old? And I think the answer to that is no, if you look further into it. I think he was spectacular to start this year. The first month or so of the season, the Golden Knights really struggled to, to find their way, and he was carrying them. I mean, the only reason that they were... As in, in as good of a position as they were early in the year was Marc-Andre Fleury. And then he went through a, a really rough stretch. And you look at what he was going through in his personal life. His father was very sick and ended up passing away. And that right around that time was when he really, really struggled. And then he ended up jo- rejoining the team. And after that, he found his way. And he was really good down the stretch. And then you look at the playoff games he played. He was spectacular. I mean, he had a couple games, one against the Chicago Blackhawks, where the Chicago Blackhawks dominated the Golden Knights, and they only the goal, the only reason Vegas won that game was Marc-Andre Fleury kind of stood on his head back there, and he didn't look slow. He didn't look old. So while father time is undefeated, and it will come for Marc-Andre Fleury eventually, I don't think it's here yet. I think he's still got at least two more years left in the tank, if not a contract after that. Maybe not quite at an elite level, not at a $7 million level for sure, but I think Marc-Andre Fleury he still has plenty of good hockey left. Yeah. All right, Jesse Granger, I'm going to let you go. But be- before I, before we do, I got to tell you, I, the one moment from last night that I will always take away from me, and, and it just, to me, is it's a reminder of the humanity of sport and certainly this game. And to, to watch Zach Whitecloud come out of the penalty box. Of course, he took a delay a game penalty in overtime that led to the power play goal that that closed out the series for the Stars. And just to, to watch his teammates come and comfort him, but the look of anguish on his face and for such a terrific young player, 23, I just wonder what, you, you know, you, you know the young man, you've spent time with him, you've written about him. To me, that that's just something I'll always take away from that. Just that how heartbreaking that was and, and, and how his teammates tried to support him in that moment. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up because to me, that was the moment also. And, and his face that when they panned to him after Dallas scored that power play goal, I, Oh my gosh, I felt so bad for, <laughs> for Zach in that moment. And, and this playoffs, man, he has taken a beating. Pete DeBoer described him as a, he looked like a car accident victim um, at one point in the Vancouver series because this kid, he's a rookie and Peter DeBoer trusted him more than I've ever, like I couldn't believe how much Pete DeBoer, trust Pete DeBoer put into Zach Whitecloud this, this postseason. He was the team's number one penalty killer as far as minutes go. And he was laying in front of shots every night putting his body on the line. He was throwing checks. He, this kid really, really showed up this postseason, and he he sacrificed his body for this team, and it was such a bad luck penalty. I mean, he's chipping the puck, and it just happens to go over the over the glass. It wasn't 
it wasn't like he actually shot it over the glass and he just his his teammates felt so bad for him and it that was an awful way to end it but i think everyone involved doesn't fault zach at all and and knows that he he took a huge step forward and that that it's he's going to be important for this team moving forward um he's he's on a very cheap contract and they are getting really good minutes out of him so big step forward for him this postseason and and a horrible way to end it but like you said it was good to see tuck and and the other players go over and kind of give him a pat on the back and tell him it wasn't his fault um because that was hard to watch yeah, good stuff. All right, uh, you should always be reading Jesse's Vegas Golden Knights coverage, and of course, it'll be an interesting, to say the least, off season for the Golden Knights. But uh, always follow Jesse's coverage at the Athletic LV, and follow him on Twitter at Jesse Granger underscore Jesse Yeoman work early in the morning. Uh, I wish I could tell you to take the rest of the day off, but my sense is your work continues to build in the wake of this loss to the Dallas Stars in the West Final. But uh, fine work in joining us this morning, Jesse. Thanks for for doing that very much. Yeah, thanks for having me, Scott. Anytime. All right, man. All right, don't go away. We're going to take a brief break and come right back and talk a little Peter Laviolette, the new head coach of the Washington Capitals. Hey, this is Craig Custance with The Athletic. My family has, I would say, a healthy obsession with water and water bottles. And we all have our own personal, like, giant thing of water that we carry around. My daughter has a, you know, one of those daily planners, and it has check marks for how much water they're drinking. Because we know when you don't get enough water and you're dehydrated, you feel lethargic, you don't feel good. It makes a big difference in your day. And with Liquid IV, you have the fastest, most efficient way to stay hydrated. We're big fans of Liquid IV in our family. When you drink Liquid IV, you have more energetic workouts, you sleep better, but it's better for your immunity, which is super important right now. You just have more energy. So Liquid IV is available nationwide at Costco and Target, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code ATHLETIC at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use promo code ATHLETIC at liquidiv.com. Get better hydration today at liquidiv.com, promo code ATHLETIC. Hey, this is Craig Custis with The Athletic. Maybe you were blessed with a body that you can just pull clothes off the rack and they fit perfectly. But if you're anything like me, every shirt I buy, the arms are too long. Every pair of pants I buy, the legs are too long. I don't have the time or the money really to go and get everything I buy tailored perfectly. So I end up looking like a frumpy sports writer half the time, which isn't great. And I wish it wasn't the case. And that's what makes Indochino so great. Indochino suits are great for wedding and for work. And they offer a lot of casual options like shirts, coats, and chinos. And right now, honestly, like that's what I find myself most attracted to. Like I, I recently made a purchase there. Even if like 80% of the press conferences or whatever I'm doing in Zoom, you still want to look good. You still want to be professional. You still want things to fit and feel good about yourself. And the way it works is I booked a, some time with a virtual style consultation and took it step by step. So with Indochino, you get custom fitted suits, coats, and casual wear at surprisingly affordable prices. And if you are getting married, Indochino is an absolute no-brainer for you and your groomsmen. Forget the -the off-the-rack suits that don't fit different body types. Indochino gives everybody a tailored fit. You order with ease, you get it shipped fast no matter where you live, and with all the ways to customize, you can add a personal touch everyone will be proud to wear without emptying their pockets. The best part, 
Indochino suits start at just $299 with all customizations included. Visit one of Indochino's showrooms across North America or book a virtual appointment and shop online at Indochino.com. And right now you'll get $30 off any purchase of $399 or more when you enter the code CRAIG, C-R-A-I-G, at checkout. That's Indochino.com, promo code CRAIG, to get $30 off any purchase of $399 or more. Check it out. I highly encourage you. You'll feel good about yourself. I promise. All right, everybody, we're back for the final segment of Two Man Advantage, the Tuesday morning edition. As noted, Peter Laviolette announced or confirmed this morning as the new head coach of the Washington Capitals. We'll actually be talking with our good pal, Tarek Al-Bashir, the Caps beat writer for the Athletic DC on a special coaching podcast. So you'll be able to catch that later on this morning as well. Um, I th- on a personal level, I, I think it's a great fit. And, and I know when we talked to Tarek, it, it's something that he felt right from the get-go that Peter Laviolette was going to be a good fit for this team or was certainly going to be one of the top candidates. I know Brian McClellan, the GM of the Capitals, uh, when dismissing uh, Todd Reardon, who was just in his second year as a head coach, had moved up through the ranks, was part of Barry Trotz's staff when they won the Stanley Cup in 2018 and then took over as head coach when Barry Trotz went on to uh, take on the job with the New York Islanders. Um, Brian McClellan wanted somebody with experience. I think he wanted someone uh, who who has a harder edge and someone who is uh, very, very strong in their personality. I think Peter Laviolette is that guy, Stanley Cup winner, uh, been to a Stanley Cup final with the Flyers, uh, of course, won a cup with the Canes in 2006. Um, and this is really about capitalizing on, a, I think it's fair to say, a shrinking Stanley Cup window for the, the Washington Capitals. Alex Ovechkin heading into a contract year. Nicholas Backstrom still very effective, but also, you know, getting into the mid to late 30s. Um, time for this core, uh, like some other teams, like the Pittsburgh Penguins, for example. Um, it really is about finding someone who can uh, get the tumblers on the Stanley Cup safe to align one more time. So not a real surprise there. And uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see uh, whether Peter, La- Peter Laviolette, who, who, you know, was, I think, ran out of runway with the Nashville Predators. It's similar teams in, in some ways, talented, uh, high expectations. Um, but the Preds went into a period of decline after Peter Laviolette took them to the Stanley Cup final in seventeen. Uh, It'll be interesting to see whether he can rejuvenate a Washington Capitals team that is two years in a row been bounced in the first round of the playoffs uh, and looked very, uh, they were not, they were not a a good group in their five game loss to the New York Islanders and Barry Trotz. Um, In fact, the five games, frankly, flattered the Capitals. So lots of work for Peter Laviolette to do. And while we mention Barry Trotz, it, I know it is wrong to do so. I know that it is counterintuitive because the playoffs have been a crazy place. But with Game 5 of the Eastern Conference set to go this evening, Tampa Bay Lightning up 3-1 in that series. I know Barry Trotz has talked about possible lineup changes and trying to invigorate a lineup, trying to get you know one, one more win out of that lineup in, in the hopes of forcing a game six in two days' time um, just seems to me like Tampa is a 
team on a mission, a team that uh, isn't going to be denied this summer. Uh, but we'll see. It, uh, it'll be interesting to see if the Islanders have one more gasp left in them. They have been a resilient, surprising team throughout this return to play. So, And if there's one coach who can get uh, squeeze one last drop uh, out of the stone uh, that, that the Islanders sometimes look like in this series, it will be Barry Trotz. So we'll look forward to seeing that. And tomorrow morning, Pierre Lebrun and I will be doing the main two-man advantage podcast and new head coach Jeff Ward of the Calgary Flames will be our guest and we will still unpack whatever transpires in the hockey world over the next 24 hours or so uh, so you should always uh, should always tune into two-man advantage there is no doubt about that um, and when you have some time in your hands you should also be listening to our good pal Craig Custins I'm looking forward to this uh, episode of the full 60 on the athletic this week as Craig talks to uh, my good friend and former colleague of the National Post Chris Jones truly one of the great writers in any business a longtime writer esquire uh covered the 2016 world cup of hockey uh with us at espn when we were all there and i know craig uh, talked to chris about some difficult times um in his life and uh, it, it should be a great listen so give that a listen and you should check out our comments section for each podcast episode at the athletic app and rate and subscribe to two-man advantage on apple and if you aren't a subscriber to The Athletic, subscribe now and save 1 million subscribers. And that, and that number is rocketing. That's, I'm, I'm told the number continues to rise, so that's great news. Uh, you should sign up now to see for yourself the creativity, reporting, and storytelling that sets The Athletic apart. And if you go to theathletic.com slash advantage, you can receive an all-access subscription for just $1 a month. That's right, one dollar. What you can't buy anything for a dollar, so you should go and do that. And uh, again, I'm Scott Burnside. Thanks for hanging out this morning. Join us tomorrow as Pierre LeBron and I chat with Jeff Ward of the Calgary Flames. Have a great day.